The following message is by Pastor Eric Ludy. More information about the church at Ellerslie is available at www.ellerslie.com. We've talked, it was about a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, the fact that Jesus is a rock. That's not necessarily my intent today is just to repeat the message I gave called immovability, or I think it was immovable is what it was called. That day I had a flood. I I gave the scripture, uh, this is July 4th, I believe it was. I gave the scripture that when the winds and the rains beat against your house, those that build upon the rock, you know, will not be shaken. It will stand firm, but those that build upon the sand, you know, will collapse. And then that day uh, we had a flood uh, in our basement. Uh, And, but the concept is that Jesus is not a trampoline. He is not springy. He does not adapt around each generation. He doesn't evolve to fit need. You may not like God as defined in the Bible, but God doesn't change shape to fit your likes and dislikes. He stays the same. We adapt around rocks. You don't come up to a mountain and go, what in the, why is it shaped that way? You build a road around it. You adapt around mountains. Mountains don't adapt around you. You don't just shove a mountain out of the way. The mountain shoves you. That's God. He's a rock. He's unchanging. He's immovable. And the interesting thing about Christianity is the God who is a rock is intending to plant himself squarely in your soul and be rock-like in you so that you too are immovable and the nature of God is established and fixed. And when this world begins to collapse around you, the world can rally to your side and say, You have something, you have a security, you have a stability, and I need it. And you can reach out and give them that stability that they don't have in their own souls. And you offer them the rock. So I'm not saying that this message doesn't have any of that in it. Because when you start getting on the issue of rock and stone in the Bible, you hit on Jesus. You hit on the Word of God. Both of them are synonymous with each other. The word of God is a rock. It is unchanging. It is immovable. It does not alter. It has been preserved by God throughout the ages, and it is not changing to fit your whims and desires. It is fixed. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. He is the rock of the word made flesh. And we can build our life upon him just as we can build our life upon the word of text of scripture, and we will be fixed and unmoved. Okay, so this is just the nature of Jesus when we start to get on terms like this, rock, stone. For instance, the triumphant Jesus is the rock, my strong rock, the rock of ages, the rock that is higher than I, my rock and my fortress, the rock of my strength, the rock of my refuge, a rock of habitation, the rock of my heart, the rock of my salvation. Just in case you were thinking that you know, maybe it's just mentioned once in Scripture, My rock and my redeemer, that spiritual rock, a shadow from the heat, a stone, a living stone, a tried stone, a chief cornerstone, a precious stone. That's Jesus. As revealed in scripture, he is a rock and he is a stone. He is a building material, but not just a foundational material. As you lay down rock, you lay down something firm to build upon. That is what Jesus is. But a rock is more than that. You would oftentimes take flint and you would sharpen it. It would be the end of a spear. It is a weapon as well. This is what you cut with. And you'd actually be able to, uh, to divide any stone asunder with the strength of certain materials known as adamant in Scripture. And I want to introduce you to this concept in Scripture of adamant. Okay, This is a word used, and I have the nice pronunciation up there just in case. This is English, so I can usually pronounce English without any problems. Uh, adamant. Here's what it means. Okay, Now, this is an old-timey word. And so when you see it in like the old-timey translations of Scripture, it's usually changed in the newer ones. It's a great word. And we use it all the time, but the way it's used in the Bible is different. Okay, The way we use it is based on what it used to be always historically in the word of God. This is the first definition is the way we use it in our culture today. Refusing to be persuaded or to change one's mind. I'm adamant about this. You ever said that? That means I'm not moving. 
I truly believe this. Or, no, I am not going there. No, I'm not doing that. I'm adamant about this. Well, how, how adamant really are you? I'm really adamant, meaning you're not budging. And we use it that way. I've used it that way. I've been adamant quite a few times. This is the way it's used in the Bible. A legendary rock of marvelous quality and strength, often thought to be either diamond or lodestone. I like this. This gets me excited. A legendary rock. Now you see where the name of the message came from. Adamant. It is something that is strong, fortified, and it has a marvelous quality and strength. Ezekiel 3.9, as an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. This is spoken to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is given the very distasteful task of bringing rebuke, or as we just heard in the kiddo time, reproof, correction, to the house of Israel, to an entire nation. He's even prepared to to hear from God, they will not listen to you for they are a rebellious house. They have foreheads that are determined against the living God. But I am giving you a forehead stronger than any adamant out there, any rock that you will run into, it will break through it. Okay, this adamant is very important. So let's take it just another step deeper. The diamond, remember I said, let's go back here. It says, a legendary rock of marvelous quality and strength, often thought to be either diamond or lodestone. The reason, no one exactly knows what it is because it's never defined. However, its qualities are mixed. It seems to have this quality that would be described as a diamond. It is the hardest of all materials, all, all stone. A diamond is harder than anything else. And it is also... Uh, able to conduct great heat, yet it also is magnetic. So there's these qualities to this adamant that is very difficult to know exactly how to describe it. And so historically, it's just sort of like, well, it's like a diamond or a lodestone. So I want to introduce you to a diamond and a lodestone, two very different things. But hey, when we think of Jesus as a rock, I want you to realize we typically think of granite, just some big you know, rock, lumbering rock just sort of sits there. It doesn't move. You shove against it. It's like, crazy thing. I can't get it to move. And that's accurate. But I want you to realize, imagine a mountain of diamond. Eh, A little more accurate to what God is. He is an immovable stone. And when you see the qualities of a diamond, you'll begin to recognize Jesus in it. Now remember, everything in this world is created by our God to reveal the nature and the quality and the person of our God. So if you begin to realize that our God is a rock. What kind of rock is he going to be? Is he going to be any old rock that, you know, you kick it and it begins to <laughs> and falls apart? He's not going to be a soft rock. He's going to be a firm rock. He's going to be an adamant, stronger. You know what the word stronger in, in that context in Ezekiel uh, is? It's kazak. Now, if any of you remember my previous messages, that's the war cry of ancient Israel. Rock kazak. Stronger than adamant. You're getting a whole new context for it. Stronger than adamant. We are the strongest of rocks. Well, you know when a rock comes up against a weaker rock and it smashes against it? What happens to the weaker rock? It crumbles. Rock will crumble. When it is hit by a rock stronger than it, that is what diamond is used for. Diamond cuts through any other rock. There is nothing that can cut through diamond. It is the strongest adamant. And so when you take rock or you take diamond, it is unbreakable. You take anything against it and it withstands. So if you're going to be granite or you're going to be diamond and you're God, which one do you choose? Yeah, you know, I have a hunch that God created diamond as a revelation of the fact that, hey, yes, I'm a stone, I'm a rock. Let's pick the right one. I'm the one that is unbreakable. So let's look at the diamond. The word diamond, or the the understanding of it, comes from the ancient Greek, get this, atomus. 
I, I really like that word, Adamus. I, I've been pondering a boy's name, Adamus. You know, it's, it's like the, you have Adam in it, which is like man, but it's Adamus. It's the unbreakable man. Isn't that great? The unbreakable man. This is the unbreakable rock. That's actually what it means, is unbreakable. It comes from the word adamant straight out of Scripture. Diamond is actually referred to in, in the Greek as adamant, adamus. Diamond is renowned as a material with superlative physical qualities. You see, most of us think of it just as a jewel. We think of it as just a priceless jewel. We, for, we fail to realize this is a substance stronger than any rock. The highest hardness and thermal conductivity of any bulk material. That means it's harder than any material on planet Earth. And it can, it can conduct heat better than any other material on Earth. Our God is a consuming fire. Isn't that amazing? He's a conductor of heat. I love it. And thusly, the perfect element with which to cut and polish tools. Because it can handle the heat, it can handle extreme heat and not melt and never harm, and it can cut through anything. It's perfect for polishing and cutting. Doesn't that sound like God? He can cut through anything, any darkness, any barrier that you will face. He can slice right through it. Any barrier that you set up and say, no, I refuse you, God, he can cut through it. And then he can take his saints and he can polish them. And it doesn't matter how rock-like and stony your heart is. He can polish it and he can break through. So I know some of you have had panicky moments where it's just like, I don't know that God can get me. I am such a, a rock wall against my God. There's rebellion inside of me. There's a flinty forehead that says, God, I want it on my terms. I want to live life my way. I want you to realize that our God is adamant. Our God, when he pursues his end, he gets his end. He cuts through everything. The lodestone. So we have the diamond, the lodestone. Figuratively, a thing that demands the entirety of one's focus and attention. Oftentimes the word lodestone would be described as exactly this. It's not always just talking about the rock or or the, the, the material of what lodestone is. But it's actually saying, if something is a lodestone, that means it's gained all attention. Everything is attracted to it. Doesn't that sound a little like Jesus Christ? He is meant to be the lodestone of our life. Why is that? It's a stone of amazing magnetic quality attracting iron and steel to itself. This is a rock. It comes out of the earth, and it's magnetic. Steel and iron, two very strong things, come to it. The strongest bend themselves to it. It is the center. Even all the strength around it bend their knees to the lodestone. Do we have that picture in here? Oh, there it is. Not a very nice-looking picture, but that's a fairly good idea of what Jesus is. Lift Jesus up, and he will draw all men unto himself. He's a lodestone. Yet he's a lodestone with magnetic qualities, like a diamond with the qualities of a lodestone. He's magnetic, and yet at the same time, he has the highest degree of hardness and the highest degree of thermal conductivity. He can cut through anything. So when we're understanding God as a rock or a stone, let's make sure we have the right mental picture for it. We need to bolster up our vision of who God is. He's not just a pile of granite. He's a mountain of diamond with magnetic qualities. Do you imagine this big, huge mountain? This is like, wow, you try and cut through that. You try and dig a tunnel through a mountain of diamond. It's not going to happen. But that mountain of, 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 of diamond turns into a weapon, and it cuts through this earth, and it gains its end. But here's the amazing thing. It's magnetic. It draws all that must be drawn unto Jesus, unto that mountain. He draws them. It's an incredible picture of Jesus Christ. The rock or the diamond and lodestone of our salvation. So basically in 2 Samuel 47, Jesus, David refers to Jesus Christ as the rock of our salvation. He's the diamond or he's the lodestone of our salvation. 
the almighty diamond. Speaking of Jesus Christ, we've never you know, ever called him that. But he's the almighty adamant. He's the almighty rock. He's the rock of our salvation. So here's a new name, the almighty diamond. Jesus is the perfect Adamus, the unbreakable man. He's the adamant man of love, the great conductor of the fire of the spirit, the master cutter and polisher of the children of God. The all-glorious lodestone. Jesus is the preeminent item of focus and attention in the universe, the fairest lodestone, the glory and the lifter of our heads, the great magnet of souls drawing all men unto himself. Removing the sinful adamant. Here's the the problem with us. It's interesting, we talk about the old man dying or the old Adam dying inside of us. We have adamant. We have adamus within us. And it's a very strong substance within our souls. And it is aimed directly in rebellion against God. But he's a stronger cutting instrument. But we have stony hearts, as revealed in Scripture. There's something wrong with us. We don't have the same longings as God. We don't have the same thoughts as God. We want life on our terms, and we barricade ourselves behind this stony wall. It's a buttress. It's a fortress against our deliverer, against our Savior. Why are we wired this way? You know, if you try and do life on your own terms, you destroy it, and you end up, separated from God eternally in the place where there is gnashing of teeth, where it smells like sulfur and, and brimstone? You know, I, who would want that? It's like, who, who wants to be there? Who wants to be eternally separated from God? Well, there's a problem with us because we are wired behind this adamant of stone to say, oh, my terms, my way. Yet there is something stirring within us. God somehow through his spirit gets past our wall and begins to stir within us a longing to be freed from this wall. I want a soft heart. I want to feel what God feels. I want God to do with my life whatever he wants to do with my life. But there's a wall and we can't seem to get through it. Who do we call on? The rock of our salvation. The rock that is higher than us. The diamond who can cut through any barrier. That's what we need. Cut through and make a gap. And then with the mighty magnetic lodestone power, draw us so that that wall crumbles before the almighty nature of our God. That's God at work. So there's a problem. And that that means there's adamant in our heart and in our heads. These two things are linked oftentimes. When he talks about stiff-necked people, rebellious people, Foreheads of brass or brows of brass. Isn't that an interesting statement it says in Isaiah? They have brows of brass. Their their brow is made of brass. That means the things that God is wanting to speak to them, bounce right off. Stiff necks and hard hearts. This whole region is the region of control. God is wanting to speak and woo, but there is adamant within us. There is a barricade. Now you can be a Christian you can esteem God, and you can still have stone within. And when you see any stone, any hardness within, fall on your face before the living God and cry for the rock that is higher than you. For the, the rock of salvation to come and do the drilling. Because he has a drill bit of diamond, and he can get in. And he can rescue you. He is the only thing that can rescue you. If you find yourself behind a wall and you have this yearning to get out, you're like, God, I need to get out of this. I don't like this behavior. Don't try and knock down the wall from the inside. You cry out over the wall to the rock that is higher than you, to the almighty diamond to come and do his drilling. He's the only one that can free you. You cannot free yourself. Removing the sinful adamant. Zechariah 7, 12. Yea, they made their hearts as an adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. My encouragement to all of you is don't allow that stone to remain. If you sense even a little pile of rubble near you, 
Because sometimes we see it broken down and the enemy supplies a fresh cache of stone to rebuild a wall. And we find ourselves in those moments where it would be very nice to close off that voice of God because we'd just like a season to ourselves. Just a season to enjoy the the things of this earth again because, oh, there's just this longing. We're feeling that weakness. There's a pile of stone over here. We can easily build that wall again. If you see even that cache of stone over there and the enemy beckoning you, build the wall again. You won't have to listen to this voice of God anymore. He should give you some space. He's asking too much of you. One man cannot live this way consistently forever. Totally denying self and denying their own life. They need to have some gratification. Build the wall again. If you ever sense any inkling towards building a wall again, cry out to the almighty diamond to remove that stone, to absolutely annihilate it from your existence. Therefore say... Thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where ye have been scattered. And I will give you the land of Israel and they shall come thither and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof and all the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart and I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them. And I shall... And they shall be my God, my people, and I will be their God. Well, that's good news. That's the gospel right there in Ezekiel. Counterfeit rock removal. You have some rock within you, but it's not the right kind of rock. God wants to remove the wrong rock. He wants to do some excavation to get all that barrier out of you so that he can have access to you. But when he gets into you, When he removes that stone, he actually gives you his heart. With his spirit as the lead instrument, he rebuilds you, changes you. And ironically, he does stick rock within you. But that rock is himself, and it's not you and your selfishness. So he will put a new spirit within. He will take out our stony heart, and he will give us a heart of flesh, meaning a soft heart to the things of God. You begin to feel what God feels. You're no longer barricaded. You can hear. You can feel. You actually care about people around you as opposed to the way we are when we have a stony heart. We could care less. We act like we care because we know it's a socially polite thing to do. Someone is in a desperate situation. We say things like, oh, that's terrible. But to be honest, we don't care. But that is a stony heart. God breaks through the stony heart and gives you, as it says in the Bible, a heart of flesh, which can be confusing because that flesh is oftentimes used as a negative term. Here, it's a positive one. The way the human heart ought to be, feeling what God feels, able to discern what God is doing, able to be a house for the living God. So the legendary rock replacement. So we had counterfeit rock removal, Now we have legendary rock replacement. Okay, we've removed the rock. Now we need to stick something back in its place. In other words, if you're going to excavate someone's foundation, well, you still need a foundation. You just need the right foundation. A faulty foundation needs to be excavated, needs to be rebuilt. And so you put in the right kind of rock, which we can call the legendary rock. So that the rock of salvation can prove himself the almighty diamond and the all-glorious lodestone in us. This is Christianity. It's not just us saying, Jesus is stronger. It's not just us saying, he can drill through anything. It's not just saying, he's the magnet, and he will draw all men unto himself. But he does this in and through us. We become the bearers of the almighty diamond. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. You catch that? We have the diamond within us. The mountain of diamond is the church of Jesus Christ in this world. And it turns into some kind of drill bit on its side. And it starts plowing. And it has a lodestone quality. And it attracts all men unto itself. This is the church of Jesus Christ. 
And it doesn't sit back passively and cover itself up and say, we don't want to offend. It turns offensively. We have one simple job on this earth, and that's to draw men unto Jesus Christ. We, I mean, the fact that we even care a whit about what this world thinks, and we're concerned about offending them, they're going to hell. Why in the world are we concerned about their opinions? If they don't come to Jesus, they have nothing but eternal suffering. We have nothing to hide, nothing to be ashamed of. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. It's the only way to get rid of the heart of stone that is barricading men and women from the living God. There is only one Savior. There is only one way to the Father, and that's Jesus Christ. And I say that unashamedly and unabashedly. Knowing that I would sound narrow-minded, bigoted, like a religious zealot, it's just the truth, and it's not a truth that Eric Ludy came up with. It's the truth revealed in Scripture. And we as Christians can no longer be ashamed of that fact. Allah is not a way to salvation. Muhammad is not a way. Hinduism will not lead someone to the throne of grace. There is no salvation in Mormonism. There is no salvation in any other form of religion. Jesus Christ is the only way. And we as the church must be adamant about that fact. Did you hear that statement? Not just believe it, you know, and sort of go, you know, that's probably a good thing. I, I agree with you, Eric, but, you know, not out loud. Just sort of in my inner man, I say, yes, amen. <laughs> Adamant about the fact that Jesus is the only way, and we stand there unabashed. The world has a forehead of flint as they look back at us, and they go, I can't believe you, judgmental, legalistic, condemning Christians. This is the only way and I will not back down. They have a forehead of rock, but we are given a forehead stronger than flint. Kazakh, strong, able. It's a war term. We are offensively taking this world for the lodestone that all men would be drawn to him, not to us, to him. This is our job, and it's very simple in its description. We try and come up with all different ways of describing it. We have a job to do. You believe Jesus? You believe he's the way? Prove it. You have a wall of stone about your soul that wants to self-protect. I got it. You know, I, I love you. You shout it over the wall every now and then. I, I love you. Behind this wall of self-protection. But I'm on my terms. I, I want to have my life and... You know, I'm comfortable right now, and this is the way, you know, I'm still going to church, I'm still reading my Bible, I'm still praying, I'm doing the things I need to. There's a wall of stone. There's a stony heart, because God has not ever broken through and said, you're mine. I can do with you whatever you want. You see that mouth of yours, Eric? I can have it speak whatever I need it to speak. You belong to me. Adamant for him. The spiritual forehead the place of declared defiance. Now, it's interesting. Let me go through. The place of declared defiance. I'll go through this, and then I can come back to a few thoughts that are going through my mind right now. The place of declared defiance against God. Spiritual forehead. There is actually, the forehead is referred to all throughout the Bible in positive and negative ways. But it seems to be associated with something very specific. It has to do with mind and attitude, yes. And it has to do with authority. The head is the authority. And what you place upon the head is defining the authority that rules your life. So this forehead is a mark. It's a place of marking. Same with the right hand. As I, I've said, in, the, in I don't know if I've done it in church, I teach it all the time in Ellerslie. In Exodus 29, the right thumb is given to God. The right hand all throughout scripture is utilized as the hand of authority and strength and power. As Christians, we yield our right hand to God and he marks it. He marks it with blood upon the thumb, which means control. We no longer have control, he does. Well, the forehead, what a strange thing. And so against God, because I knew that thou art obstinate, thy neck is an iron sinew and thy brow brass. Now listen to this one. Some of you have heard this. You try and stay away from this scripture. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. 
And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. It's oftentimes known as the mark of the beast. It's a very unpleasant topic. Most of us don't like to talk about it. We don't, you know, there's all these rumors that go around of what the mark of the beast is. You know, if you use credit cards, then you have the mark of the beast. This is a mark. It's a deliberate statement before the heavenlies of who you side with. You know, you're, you're behind your little wall and you're like, I, I can't buy or sell without this mark. The enemy is brilliant. You show your loyalty to me. You mark your forehead. I'm authority in your life. You bend to me, you can buy and sell. Are you in with God? Are you in with me? I'll give you comfort in this life. I'll make sure you're secure. What marks your forehead? This is a spiritual thing long before it's an outward thing. Everyone's concerned about missing the mark of the beast. They're like, oh no, I don't. is that the mark of the beast? You know when it's the mark of the beast. Because it's a deliberate decision to yield your soul to the enemy. To say, I'm with him. And you have to compromise your entire kingdom relationship with Jesus Christ to say, I'm with the beast instead of with my God. Because you take a mark on your inner man too, not just your outer forehead, just like baptism. It's not just an external thing. Going underwater and coming back up doesn't save you. It doesn't actually kill your old man. It's a statement to the heavenlies of what you've already entered into. You have died in Jesus Christ. His death was your own. Well, the same with this. You need to have a mark on your spiritual forehead now. And when that mark comes someday, maybe in our lifetime, maybe not, we've already stand, we already stand with a mark and we're adamant. And we say, I can't buy or sell, huh? You know what the mark that matters to us? Could you imagine Jesus saying, you need my mark? Because if you don't have my mark, you have no life. You have no peace. You have no joy. You have no love. You don't have me. Which do you want? Life? God Almighty? Everything that matters? Or do you want to buy and sell? What matters to you? All we look at is, well, I mean, what am I going to do in that time if I couldn't buy or sell? What would you do without God? What matters? Take the mark of Jesus Christ. So the forehead is a place of marking. And I encourage you to make it a statement of defiance against the enemy. And you mark your forehead, you allow God to mark you, and you say, I am with heaven, and I am against hell. You cannot be with heaven and sidle up to hell and say, you know what, you know, we we can have sort of a working relationship here. I mean, I'm with Jesus, but, you know, I don't want to necessarily offend you, darkness. I don't want to offend you, world. I want you to realize that Christianity demands an adamant forehead, You have to be defiant against one. You have to either show defiance to the world and to sin and to darkness, or you show defiance unto your God. Do you want to buy and sell? Do you want to be in good with the world? Do you want to take care of your own skin? What's your priority? Or do you want Jesus Christ? You can't have both. Right now, you can buy and sell, and it seems like you can have both, but you must make a choice right now that if it ever comes down to it, and the issue is, oh, buying and selling, or Jesus Christ, you already made that decision a long time ago. It was an internal decision that you made years ago. And when it comes to the outside marking, you chuckle in their face. And you're adamant with a forehead of flint. And you say, not in my life. Jesus gave everything for me. The least I could do is offer my body now. Take it all away. I belong to Jesus. And the Lord said unto him, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. You know what it said after this? And those that do not sigh and cry, that do not care about the abominations that are being done in Israel, kill them. Kill them all. And show them no pity. This is the essence of the spiritual battle. The foreheads of the saints must be marked by God. This is a man holding an inkhorn, assigned by God, and God himself, in his, on his chariot of cherubim, comes down from heaven and commands the man with the inkhorn to go throughout all of Israel and to mark the foreheads of those that sigh and cry over the abominations. You know who sighs and cries over the abominations in Israel? Those that have a soft heart. 
Those that have God's heart. Those whose hearts have been have had the stone, the adamant of the counterfeit adamant removed, so that they can now feel, so they can now entertain the life of God within, the heart of God within. This is who can feel and who can sigh and cry. This must be us. We must have our foreheads marked. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead. Fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. The mark of God. I love this. In Ezekiel 16, God is talking about Israel. He's talking about his bride. And he describes how he found them. And he he found Israel born without a midwife, covered in blood off to the side of the road. No value, no one wanted Israel, totally discarded, and God said, you're mine. In other words, making a statement, it wasn't your virtue, it wasn't your beauty that drew God to you. It was the fact that God set his love upon you, and he pursued you, and it said that he spoke life to Israel. And then he began to adorn Israel, and he gave Israel all his strength. Read Ephesians 6, the armor of God. It's the adorning of Israel. God is placing himself upon Israel. He is cloaking Israel in his blood. Life, strength, greater is he that is in you, church, than he that is in this world. And what does he put upon the forehead? And I put a jewel on thy forehead, a diamond, a forehead stronger than flint, an adamant, God gives us a jewel square in the middle of our forehead as the saints of God so that we would have foreheads that can cut through any device of the enemy, any resistance, any call of the enemy, any beckoning to say, compromise, yield, buy or sell. I'm with my God. He has marked me. You see this? That's a forehead of diamond and it cuts through any barrier. If anyone's backing down in this situation, it's you. We don't back down. When anxiety comes knocking, kinking, let me in. Fear comes knocking, kinking, let me in. Lust comes knocking, kinking. We are adamant and we say, out. I do not back down. I am marked by the living God. I live for his glory alone. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. The helmet of salvation. You want to do rescue work in this life? Stick on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of rescue. You need God's perspective. You need God's mind. I can't tell you how constant the bait is in my life and everyone around me. Because we deal as a staff with this constantly here at Ellerslie. We believe, everything I'm saying, this isn't new to all of us here at Ellerslie. This is just what we rehearse constantly. We stand for Jesus Christ. We stand in alignment with his word. We will not back down. We move forward. I don't know if you've ever heard me say this, but when the enemy comes knocking, I give this simple prescription to the saints of God. Here's what you say. No. No. There are certain things outlined in Scripture that are obvious no's. No, I don't mess with that. That isn't the nature of God. No, I'm not subsiding into silence and allowing that to happen in my life and in my family. No. What is that? That's adamant. That's a forehead of flint, or as we could say, a forehead of diamond. We are not backing down. The enemy will come constant, beckoning, looking for entry, looking for breaches. We must be built with the mark of God upon our forehead. We must have foreheads as God has a forehead. We must have a mind that is predecided towards righteousness, predecided towards the Word of God. What has God revealed? We agree with it. And it doesn't matter what's coming against us, we say no if it is not from our God. But no matter how challenging the call is, if it comes from our God, we say yes because we have a heart of flesh. We have a readiness of mind to agree with Scripture. So we are defiant, but not against God. We are defiant against all that stands against his glory. We are in agreement with God. 
no matter how challenging his call is, I need you to suffer, be imprisoned, and die, Eric, for my glory. Gulp. Yes, Lord. It's not defiance against it, self-protectiveness. Self-expenditure, self-death. I am not concerned about Eric. I'm concerned about the glory of Jesus Christ. And for the glory of Jesus Christ, I allow nothing but God in. That happens at the personal level. Thoughts come into my mind. If they are not God thoughts, no. I do this. This doesn't just go away, by the way. I've been doing this for years of my life, and I can assure you it doesn't go away. The battle is constant. The enemy is constantly throwing his fiery arrows this way. No, 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 no. Adamant. You do not yield, you do not back down, and you must be solid in your position constantly. Well, how about my marriage? No, no, no. Always on guard. There's always a bait for selfishness. Always in the middle of the night. Another child is crying. I could just say, Les, I need you to get up. And guess what has to happen inside of Eric? No. No, Eric, you be the man. I'm so tired. I've been up five times tonight already. No, no self-pity. No, don't entertain it for a moment. Eric, you follow Jesus. Constant family. Anything that is trying to encroach upon my home. You know how hard it is to rise up, especially when you're tired. You've been busy with so many different things, and now you have family and you have kids. That isn't that big of a deal. No! No, no, no! You're not coming in. No! Adamant for the things of God, for the mind of God, for the nature of God. You must have a forehead that matches the disposition and the mind of Scripture. And if something doesn't align itself with it, you say no. And you push back. Resist the devil and he will flee. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Allow him to give you a precious jewel upon your forehead. Allow him to mark you. And you can have the confidence that there is nothing that can come against you that God doesn't have a strong answer for. The weapons of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And anything that would exalt itself above the truth, the nature, the name of Jesus Christ, you have the weaponry to pull it down in this world. That's an adamant stronger than flint. Rock, kasak. The strong rock. The rock stronger. That's the battle cry of the ancient Hebrew. Rock Kasak, the stronger adamant. We are more adamant than this world. There is a movement called the New Atheists, and they're adamant. They want the absolute annihilation of Christians. Well, guess who should be more adamant? We want the absolute annihilation of lies. We want the absolute annihilation of darkness and all the demonic hosts that is puppeteering the chosen and the, and the redeemed. We are more adamant. We are not going to back down just because the enemy has a plot and a plan and a conspiracy to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. We rise up with an adamant forehead with the precious jewel of Jesus Christ placed right square in the middle of it. Do I need to remind you of the qualities of diamond? Stronger? conducts any level of heat and will not break down. You can literally become the house of the fire of God. Remember the burning bush in the Old Testament? That burning bush has no business surviving the fire of God. It's just a bush, a dried out bush. It should just turn to ash in a matter of seconds. Instead, this supernatural thing takes place. And that is that a bush is able to conduct the fire of God without being consumed. Welcome to Christianity. Because you have the diamond within you, you can conduct the incredible measure of heat. And that heat will work upon your soul first, and then it will work upon those around you. People will become very uncomfortable around you. They'll wiggle. You'll become the fragrance of death to many, but you'll be the fragrance of life. 
to others. Jesus, they killed him. But guess what? 2,000 years later, I still look back and I say the most beautiful man that ever lived, the unbreakable man. I esteem him. I fall down before him and I worship him. The generations to come will esteem your stand today. They won't fall down and worship you, but they'll esteem you because you fell down and worshiped Jesus Christ, the unbreakable man. This generation may not appreciate you, but we don't play for the applause of a generation. We play for the applause of our God. The applause of one is what moves us. If you could imagine, is there anything better than arriving in heaven? Even if this world has scoffed you, scorned you, ultimately killed you, said, recant, Athanasius. The world is against you. And we say, then Athanasius is against the world. We are contra mundum. We are against the world if necessary. We don't want to be. We don't want to be against all those that are around us, but we're willing to be because there is adamant in our forehead. Could you imagine arriving in heaven after being killed here on earth, surrounded by all the ancients, all those that have died before you in Jesus Christ and in faith? There's the whole entire angelic host, and they all go silent. And all you hear is one clap over and over and over again as the multitude is parting. And there is Jesus with tears streaming down his face. He runs to you, you run to him. He embraces you and he whispers in your ear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Is there anything that can outdo that? That's what we live for. We live for the applause of one. We are unashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God into salvation. There is only one salvation, and that is in Jesus Christ. And we stand on that point unabashedly, adamantly. Hold on to the adamant. Let it grow stronger and stronger within your forehead. You'll become softer and softer and softer to God, more and more malleable to the word, more and more humble before the living God. You'll go lower and lower and decrease more and more before God and before his word. Before sin and darkness and evil, you'll rise stronger, stronger, and stronger. Let the war cry of the ancient Hebrew fill your soul. Rock, sock, a stronger adamant. We win. We win because he won. Let's pray. Almighty. Do the work in your saints. Do the work of the rock that is higher, the rock that is stronger, the rock that is more brilliant. Demonstrate all your superlative and majestic qualities in and through your church. Please, Lord Jesus, we can't live in our own strength. The enemy is stronger than us. We cannot cut through. We cannot break through the barriers and the fortresses But Lord Jesus, in you we can march about them and they will collapse and crumble into dust. May your living fire enter into us and be conducted. Lord Jesus, may the extreme warmth of the conviction of the Spirit enter us. May it purify us as a refining fire. And Lord Jesus, may you use us as as fire and as rock and as winds in this world to see the refinement of the church of Jesus Christ and the awakening of a lost world. Everything you are is everything we esteem. We love you. Draw us unto yourself as the mighty, all-glorious lodestone.
Thank you for listening to this message by Eric Ludy, pastor at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Please feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission. More information can be found on our website, www.ellerslie.com. Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. Know that we are cheering you on as Christ cultivates his set-apart life within you.